The Promised Messiah has stated the following to be an essential objective of the Jalsa Salana. And he has emphasized that those who attend this Jalsa should develop within themselves piety and righteousness. Once these are developed, one will gain nearness to God Almighty. If a person treads on the path prescribed by God, it is impossible that he becomes negligent in fulfilling the rights due to Allah, the Almighty, and those due to His creation. Or that he becomes a means of disorder in society in any means, shape, or form. The Promised Messiah has not only told his followers and those who pledge initiation to him that they should develop righteousness. Rather, with a great fervor, he has also shown us the paths of righteousness in accordance with the commandments of Allah the Almighty, the Holy Prophet, the Holy Quran and the sayings and the examples of the Holy Prophet He made it clear that only those who pledge true initiation to me are those who tread on the path of righteousness in accordance with the teachings of the Holy Quran. 
The Promised Messiah has repeatedly emphasized on countless occasions and through various addresses and writings that without this, faith cannot be true faith. As a matter of fact, Allah the Almighty informed him of the root of righteousness that if this root is maintained, then everything will be fine. Hence, if one is void of righteousness, then one is void of everything, and if one possesses righteousness, then he has everything. Guiding his jamaat on righteousness, the Promised Messiah states on one occasion, For the betterment of our jamaat, it seems necessary to guide you on righteousness because to an intelligent individual it is evident that Allah the Almighty is not pleased with anything but righteousness. Allah the Almighty says, Verily, Allah is with those who are righteous and those who do good. The Promised Messiah has expounded on this verse on many occasions on who is a righteous person and who is a doer of good. Before I present excerpts of the Promised Messiah elaborating on this, I deem it necessary to expound on the words muttaqi or righteous person and muhsin, a doer of good. A righteous person is one who fears Allah the Almighty, who is always desirous of acquiring his pleasure. and that Allah the Almighty becomes his shield and protector. Hence, this is the definition of righteousness, which we should be mindful of. A muhsin or a doer of good is one step beyond this. It is the next stage of not only personally coming under the protection of Allah the Almighty, but to try and bring the rest of the world under the protection of Allah the Almighty, after that as well. As such, the rank of one who does good is higher than that of a righteous person. Therefore, Allah the Almighty has said that a believer should be righteous and a doer of good. Hence, this is the rank that the Promised Messiah expects of us. To not only personally come under the protection of Allah the Almighty, but to try and save others by bringing them under the protection as well. Hence, a true righteous person always worries about fulfilling the rights of mankind due to being a doer of good. Thus, this is that wonderful state which the Promised Messiah desired for us to reach. On one occasion, the Promised Messiah states, The meaning of muttaqi is one who fears. To refrain from evil is one thing and to do good is another. Muttaki connotes refraining from evil and muhsin or a doer of good requires one to do good. The duty of a righteous person is to refrain from evil. This is followed by the state of doing good which has been alluded here with the word muhsinun or doers of good. i.e. that a truly righteous person should do good as well. 
one becomes a completely truthful person when he refrains from evil and then reflects on what good he has done. Hence, this elaborates the matter further that after reforming oneself, after establishing a personal relationship with God Almighty, one should not become idle. Rather, one should remain conscious of how to enter the fold of those who do good. And for this, it is essential to be mindful of the rights due to mankind. On another occasion, the Promised Messiah has further spoken on this. There is no doubt that Allah the Almighty is with those who are righteous and those who go beyond this, i.e. those who do good. This is the very sign of true virtue and this is the very sign of perfect faith. Following this, the Promised Messiah states, Righteousness refers to abstaining from the subtle paths of evil. But remember, virtue is not simply someone saying, I am virtuous because I have not stolen anyone's wealth. I have not burgled. I do not commit theft, cast evil glances or fornicate. Such virtue is laughable in the sight of a person of understanding. Because if that person were to commit these evils of thievery and burglary, then he would be punished. This sort of virtue is not commendable in the sights of a person possessing intellect. In fact, real, true virtue is to serve humanity and to exhibit complete sincerity and devotion in the way of Allah the Almighty and to even be prepared to give up one's life for his sake. That is why it has been stated Allah the Almighty is with those who abstain from evil and also do good. Remember well that mere abstinence from evil is no extraordinary feat until it is accompanied by virtuous deeds. There will be many who have not fornicated murdered, thieved or burgled yet they have also not shown any sincerity or devotion in the way of Allah the Almighty nor have they served humanity and thus have not undertaken any virtuous deeds. Ignorant is he who presents these things to be considered among the virtuous because these are wicked deeds and one cannot think to be included among the friends of Allah on this basis. For those who commit evil deeds, who steal, are dishonest or take bribes, it is the practice of Allah to punish them in this very world. Such people do not die without first being punished. Remember that this cannot be regarded as virtue. Righteousness is the first stage, the example of which is like a plate that is thoroughly cleaned so that the best, most delicious food can be poured into it. If a plate is thoroughly cleaned but no food is poured into it, can it satisfy one's hunger? Of course not. Can an empty plate fill one with food? 
Certainly not. Think of righteousness in the same way. What is righteousness? It is to clean the plate of the self that incites to evil. Cleaning an empty plate cannot fill one with food, which is why food must also be arranged, spiritual food. Whilst explaining this, the Promised Messiah states, The soul has been divided into three parts. The self that incites to evil, meaning first you clean the self that incites to evil from your plate with righteousness. What is the self that incites to evil? The Promised Islam states that the soul has been divided into three parts. The self that incites to evil, the reproving self and the soul at rest. Then explaining this further, he says, The state of the self that incites to evil is such that when a person becomes subservient to Satan and their self and becomes imprisoned by their natural desires, then they are prepared to fulfill whatever the self commands, like a servant ever ready to fulfill his master's command. And that state, one does whatever the self commands. They commit any evil deed that the self incites like a servant. This is the self that incites to evil, which is the most evil state. The Promised Messiah states, the initial stage of righteousness is to purify oneself of this condition. The basic stage of righteousness is to rid oneself of the self that incites to evil. In order to eat, you clean your dishes and then put food in them. Thus, clean the dishes of your hearts for the sake of attaining firm faith. If you do not clean them, then whatever food is placed within it will become dirty just like the plate in which it was poured, no matter how good the food may be. Everyone should ponder over this condition and consider the level to which we have cleaned this plate. When it is cleaned and a wholehearted war against Satan with virtuous intentions is initiated and a complete effort is made to establish the fear of Allah the Almighty, then the condition of the reproving self begins. The Promised Messiah states, Then there is the reproving self. It may be that one continues committing sins at this stage. However, he continuously reproves himself and constantly strives to be free from sin. Those who are at the stage of the reproving self are in a state of struggle. In other words, they are battling Satan and the self. At times, the self prevails and causes them to falter, and other times they prevail over their self and suppress it. These people have progressed from the self that incites to evil. The Promised Messiah states, that such people are in a constant state of battle in which sometimes the self wins and sometimes they win. They have not attained complete victory. Becoming victorious requires constant striving and constantly seeking forgiveness. It requires help from Allah the Almighty. It requires always bearing in mind that we must attain the highest standards of righteousness and thereby join the ranks of those who do good. When a person seeks the help of Allah the Almighty in this way and makes constant effort,
then through His grace, Allah the Almighty can progress them to the stage of the soul at rest. Regarding this, the Promised Messiah states, the third condition is of the soul at rest. This is the stage when all the battles have ended and a resounding victory is achieved. Therefore, it has been called the soul at rest, meaning having achieved contentment. The Promised Messiah further explains this by stating that one gains control over all their faculties and they naturally commit virtuous deeds. He states, in this state, one achieves true faith in Allah the Almighty and knows for certain that God exists. The highest stage of the soul at rest is belief in God Almighty because complete contentment and ease is achieved when one has complete faith in Allah the Almighty. He continues, Know for certain that every pious action and virtuous deed is truly rooted in the belief in God Almighty. If a person's faith in Allah becomes weak, then their propensity for committing good deeds becomes just as weak and slackened. However, when one's faith is strong and they believe in Allah the Almighty and all of His complete attributes, then the equivalent and extraordinary revolution comes about in their deeds. A person who believes in God Almighty cannot commit sin. If one believes in Allah the Almighty, then it is not possible for them to commit sin, whether big or small, because his faith cuts the limbs of his inner passions and sins. The Promised Messiah further states, This stage is achieved when one has true faith in God Almighty, which results in complete contentment. Such a person receives complete contentment. This is the stage which should be a person's true goal. Whilst addressing and advising our community, he states, Our community needs this. Our community needs this. And complete faith is required in order to attain complete contentment. Pay close attention to this. He continues, our community's foremost responsibility is to attain true faith in Allah the Almighty. We must all pay special attention to this. Whilst further advising the community on this matter, the Promised Messiah states, Allah the Almighty aids and helps those who adopt righteousness. Righteousness is to abstain from evil. Those who do good does not refer only to those who abstain from evil, rather to those who also commit virtuous deeds. Then it is stated, Lilladina Ahsanul Husna, meaning those who adorn their good deeds. He continues, I have constantly seen in Revelation. It has happened so many times that I cannot even count. God knows it may have happened 2,000 times. The purpose for this is so that the community may know that they should not simply be enamored by having joined this community or be happy with speculative faith. Allah the Almighty's support and help will be received 
when one has true righteousness accompanied by virtue. The Promised Messiah continues, Verily, Allah is with those who are righteous and who do good. God Almighty also keeps a daily account book of a person's deeds. Thus, one should also keep their own daily account book for their own condition and should ponder as to how much they are progressing in virtue. One's current day should not be equal to the previous day. If one's current day is the same as the day before when it, co- when it comes to progressing in virtue, then they are at loss. Hence, this is something which we must ponder over and have great concern for. We must remain very concerned with our condition. Having pledged allegiance to the Promised Messiah, we must focus on progressing in righteousness and virtue. And it is only in doing so that we can fulfill our Pledge of Allegiance. Once, while advising the community, the Promised Messiah said, I have observed that at times there are mutual disputes within the community. Disputes turn into petty quarrels and resentments which turn into attacking each other's honour and fighting with one's brother. This is extremely inappropriate. This should not be the case. Rather, if someone admits to their wrongdoing, then what harm has been done? There are some who do not let the other go until they do not admit to their humiliation in lieu of some small matter. It is imperative to avoid such things. God Almighty is called the one who covers. Why then do people not have mercy on their brothers by pardoning them and covering their faults? One should cover the faults of their brother and should not attack their honor or reputation. It is written in a small book. The Promised Messiah gives an example of a story that there was a king who used to write out the Quran. A cleric pointed out that one of the verses was written incorrectly. The cleric was so bold at the time or in this story that he went to the king and pointed out that a verse had not been written correctly. The king drew a circle around the verse to indicate that the verse would be erased. When the cleric left, the king erased the circle. When the king was asked why he did this, he said, The cleric was in fact mistaken. However, I drew the circle for the sake of his sentiments. Perhaps the cleric was forceful, like the clerics of today in Pakistan who get the government to do exactly as they please. Our governments and leaders do not do this for the sake of caring for their sentiments or in support of the truth. Rather, they do so out of fear for the clerics. In any case, the king drew the circle to be mindful of the cleric's sentiments and then later erased it. Because it was actually the cleric who was mistaken. The Promised Messiah states, To pinpoint and spread the mistakes of others is the root and illness of great arrogance. Such things ruin the soul and should thus be avoided. These are all matters pertaining to righteousness. One who operates with righteousness in all inner and outer matters becomes included among the angels, as there remains no rebellion within them. Adopt righteousness, for it is only after righteousness that one receives the bounties of God Almighty. A righteous person is saved from worldly calamities. God becomes their covering. And until this method is adopted, one cannot achieve any benefit. Such people cannot benefit from pledging allegiance to me. 
How could they benefit whilst injustice resides within them? If they persist in these same passions, arrogance, pride, conceit, hypocrisy and short-temperedness that is found in others, then what is the distinction between them? He continues, if there is only one good-natured person in a village, the village will be miraculously influenced by him. A virtuous person who adopts virtue due to the fear of Allah the Almighty possesses a divine awe which convinces the hearts that this is a person of God. It is certainly true that a person who is sent by God is granted a part of his grandeur. This indeed is the path of virtue. So remember, it is not right to inflict pain upon your brothers over trivial matters. The Holy Prophet is the pinnacle of all morals and at this time and the last example which God Almighty established was of his morals. If even now a state of inhumanity remains, then it is a great shame and misfortune. Hence, do not find faults in others, because sometimes by laying blame on others, one falls into the very fault if it does not hold true about the accused. If that fault truly is found in that person, then their matter rests with God Almighty. There are many people who have this habit. But if you lay blame on someone for a fault they do not have, then it is possible that the one laying blame falls into the same fault. Allah the Almighty creates such conditions whereby one falls into the very same fault. And if that fault does truly exist in the person, then the matter should be left to Allah the Almighty. There are many people who have a habit of being quick to level vile allegations against their brothers. Such things should be avoided. You should render benefit to others and be compassionate to your brothers and be good to your neighbours. Treat your brothers well and before all else avoid the association of partners with God because that is the foundational brick of righteousness. This is the beautiful principle which upon doing justice to the Pledge of Allegiance results in ensuring security and peace in society. The very purposes for which we have gathered here today if we implement these very principles, then Allah the Almighty will deal with our opponents Himself. As the Promised Messiah said, we must safeguard against associating partners with God, as this is the foundational brick of righteousness. In order to safeguard against associating partners with God, it is necessary for one to have fear of Allah the Almighty in their heart. This is a point of vital importance. We must establish the fear of Allah the Almighty within us, so that we may also establish the basis of righteousness within ourselves. Regarding how we can know that we have developed the fear of Allah the Almighty, the Promised Messiah states, Fear of Allah constitutes that one analyze the degree to which their words and actions align, are what one says and what one does in alignment with each other. If one determines that their words and actions are not in alignment, then they should realize that they are subject to divine wrath. This calls for seeking forgiveness from God. An impure heart holds no value in the sight of God, no matter how beautiful one's words may be. Instead, this would incite the wrath of God. 
The Promised Messiah continues, My community should understand that they have come to me for such seeds to be sown by which they may become fruit-bearing trees. Thus, everyone should introspect to determine the quality of their inner state. If, God forbid, our community also becomes such that says one thing but whose hearts contain something else, then they will not meet a good end. When Allah the Almighty sees a community whose hearts are empty but make verbal claims, He is the self-sufficient. He does not care. The Promised Messiah continues, The victory at Badr had been prophesied and triumph was expected under all circumstances. Yet even still, the Holy Prophet wept in prayer. Hazrat Abu Bakr asked that when the promise of victory was certain, what was the need for such entreaties? What was the need for such profuse weeping in prayer? The Holy Prophet replied, He is the self-sufficient. In other words, it was possible that the promise has some hidden requirements. This is the principle and the example which we should always keep in mind. There was no one whose prayers were accepted more than the than those of the Holy Prophet and promises to him were honoured more by Allah the Almighty. Yet the Holy Prophet who knew and understood more than anyone about the being and attributes of Allah the Almighty was so fearful of Allah the Almighty's attribute of being self-sufficient that despite his promise he wept profusely in prayer beseeching for the Muslims to be saved. Who are we in comparison? To not weep profusely in prayer as such. There is no doubt that Allah the Almighty's promises of restoring Islam's lost glory exist even today. However, these promises will only be fulfilled when the standards of our words, actions and faith are as Allah the Almighty desires them to be. This is why the Promised Messiah constantly drew our attention towards strengthening our faith and aligning our words and actions in order to see the promises made by Allah the Almighty being fulfilled swiftly. Whilst describing the qualities of a righteous person, the Promised Messiah states, we should always consider the level to which we have progressed in righteousness and piety. The standard for this is the Quran. One of the signs of a righteous person stated by Allah the Almighty is that Allah the Almighty frees them from the impurities of this world and taken on the responsibility of tending to their affairs himself. As he states, وَمَنْ يَتَّقِ اللَّهَ يَجْعَلْ لَهُ مَخْرَجًا وَيَرْزُقْهُ مِنْ حَيْثُ لَا He who fears Allah He will make for him a way out of difficulty and he will make for him such means of livelihood that he could never expect or fathom. In other words, one of the signs of a righteous person is that Allah the Almighty does not subject them to the need of useless things. For example, a shopkeeper may think that he cannot run his business without falsehood, that he cannot run his business without lying. And so he does not desist from falsehood and expresses a compulsion to lie. However, this is not the reality. 
God the Almighty takes the protection of a righteous person upon himself and saves him from such instances that would bring him in conflict with the truth. Remember, when a person leaves God, God leaves them. When the gracious God has left, then Satan will certainly establish a relationship. This is a matter of great fear. Everyone should always keep in mind that Satan always overcomes one who has been left by Allah the Almighty. The Promised Messiah states, Do not think that Allah the Almighty is weak. He possesses mighty power. When you trust Him in something, He will surely help you. And he who puts trust in Allah, he is sufficient for him. The foremost addressees of these verses were people of faith. All of their worries pertained to religious matters, while their worldly matters had been entrusted to God. Hence, Allah the Almighty assured them that he was with them. Therefore, one of the blessings of righteousness is that Allah the Almighty saves a righteous person from those difficulties which impede upon religious matters. Therefore, when we pledge to give precedence to religion over the world, we must also bear in mind that Allah the Almighty will fulfill our worldly requirements if we do prioritize religion over the world. Nevertheless, it is still necessary for one to have perfect trust in Allah the Almighty and possess righteousness. The Promised Messiah then states, Allah the Exalted loves the righteous. Remember the greatness of Allah the Exalted and be meek and be mindful that everyone is God's creation. Do not be cruel to anyone or show impetuosity. Do not look at another with contempt. If there is one person in the community who is foul, he fouls everyone else. If you are inclined towards anger, Search your heart and see where this anger stems from. This is a very critical stage. That is to say, if one is prone to becoming angry very quickly, they should analyze whether what they are demonstrating is a result of their anger, arrogance and pride. For it is due to pride and arrogance that one becomes angry when taunted. and this does not please Allah the Almighty. Then, whilst giving advice in relation to how it is the sign of the righteous that they make the correct use of the faculties and capabilities bestowed by God Almighty, and how it is through the correct use of these capabilities that one can develop them and become the recipients of the blessings of Allah, the Promised Messiah states, None of the faculties endowed by Allah the Almighty have been granted to man so that they may be wasted. Rather, their discipline and proper use is the true means by which they are nourished and developed. This is why Islam has not taught that the faculties of virility be slaughtered completely or that the eye be gorged out. Instead, it teaches the proper use and the purification of one's inner self. In this respect, Allah the Exalted states, Surely success does come to the believers. Then after illustrating the life of a righteous person, God Almighty draws a conclusion in the following words, And it is they who shall prosper. This is to say that those who tread the path of righteousness, those who believe in the unseen, 
those who establish or set upright their prayer when it begins to fall, as it were, those who give from that which is bestowed to them, those who, irrespective of their own thoughts and fancies, believe in the divine scriptures sent by God, ultimately attain to the level of certainty. It is these very people who are truly guided and who tread a path that goes on to lead a person to success. Therefore, it is such people who are triumphant and who shall reach their final destination. Who are these people? They are those who fulfill the rights owed to Allah and also the rights owed to mankind who shall reach their destination. They are those who have been delivered from the perils of the journey before them. Hence, from the very outset, Allah the Exalted has given us a teaching of righteousness and bestowed upon us a book which also provides counsel on how to develop piety. After stating this, he said, And so let my community grieve more than anything else over whether they possess righteousness or not. Thus we must analyze ourselves as to what extent we are striving to attain these standards. Then the Promised Messiah mentioned a condition of the righteous people, stating that they live a life of humility and meekness and that members of the community should be the same. He stated, It is necessary for the righteous to live a life of humility and modesty. Humility does not mean financial poverty, rather it is humbleness. And one should not consider this world to be everything. And instead be concerned for the hereafter. This is the life of humility and modesty is the life of humility. One who carries out good deeds is he who lives a life of humility. So adopt humility. He then states, live a life of humility and modesty. This is an aspect of piety by which we must combat undue anger. To refrain from anger was the final and the most trying stage experienced by many a great saint and the truthful. To refrain from anger is a very difficult thing. Vanity and pride stem from anger. And in certain cases, anger itself is the result of arrogance and conceit. For anger comes about when an individual gives superiority to themselves over another. I do not desire that members of my community should consider themselves superior or inferior, behave arrogantly or look down upon one another. God knows who is superior or inferior. This is a form of neglect that reeks of contempt. I fear that this contempt may grow like a seed and ruin such a person. Certain people meet those of high standing with immense respect, but truly great is the one who listens to a lowly person with humility, comforts them, gives importance to their opinion, and does not rebuke them in a manner that would cause them grief. God Almighty states, Do not call upon one another in a hurtful manner, out of irritation, for this is the way of the sinners and the transgressors. A person who scoffs at another shall not meet death until they too are subjected to the same. Do not look down upon your brethren when all drink from the same stream. 
Who knows which of you are destined to drink more than the other? Worldly definitions cannot afford a person honor and greatness. In the sight of God Almighty, great is the one who is righteous. Verily, the most honorable among you in the sight of Allah is he who is the most righteous among you. Surely Allah is the all-knowing. Hence, we must always keep this fundamental point in mind that neither can one's family name grant one honor nor their wealth or knowledge. The most honorable in the sight of Allah is one who possesses righteousness, harbors fear of Allah in their heart, fulfills the rights of others, is free from all false pride and vanity. Then, whilst drawing attention to if one wishes to serve Islam, they must first adopt righteousness and purity. The Promised Messiah stated, Just as it is imperative to station horses at the borders to fend off the enemy so that it is unable to cross its limits, i.e. it is necessary to appoint an army, Similarly, you too ought to prepare yourselves, lest the enemy enroaches the border and in- inflicts harm upon Islam. I have stated earlier as well that if you desire to support and serve Islam, you must first adopt piety and purity yourselves, so that you may enter the resolute fortress of God's refuge. Then you will be granted the honor and right to offer this service. Enter yourselves in the fortified citadel, which is the fortress of Allah the Almighty's protection, and then Allah the Almighty will grant you the chance. And then Allah the Almighty will grant you the chance to render your services. He then states, You can observe how weak the external strength of the Muslims has fallen. Other nations look towards them with abhorrence and contempt. If your inner force and strength of heart also weakens and withers away, then know that the end is nigh. Members of the community should learn a lesson from the state of the Muslims. Purify your souls so that they are imbued with spiritual power and so that they become firm defenders like horses that are stationed at the frontier. Horses themselves do not do the protecting, rather it was the cavalry riding them. In olden times they were among the various means in the army to protect the frontiers, So this is how one must safeguard. He stated that it is the righteous and pure who are always accompanied by the grace of Allah the Almighty. Let not your morals and practices become such as would blemish Islam. Evildoers and Muslims who do not act upon the teachings of Islam stain the religion. When a Muslim consumes alcohol, At times he is found vomiting somewhere with his turban wrapped around his neck. He is found falling here and there in sewers and gutters. The police disciplines such a one and Hindus and Christians laugh at this. Now this action, which is against the Islamic Sharia, not only brings ridicule upon the Muslim who does does so, but ultimately... The effects of this reach Islam itself. It gives me immense pain to read such news or prison reports when I find that such a large number of Muslims have been incarcerated for their criminal actions. My heart becomes restless to think that these people who possess direction to the right path do not inflict harm upon themselves alone due to their own misdeeds, rather give others an opportunity to laugh at Islam as well. 
He further stated, In this I seek to point out that the Muslim people call themselves Muslims yet become implicated in unlawful and prohibited actions which not only bring them into question but also Islam. He told the members of his community that mold your character and conduct it in such a manner that even disbelievers who actually seek to criticize Islam are unable to find fault in you. Thus, we have pledged allegiance to the promised Messiah al-Islam. Hence, it is necessary to assess ourselves. In these countries where religion is ridiculed in the name of freedom, there is no value for moral virtues. Those highest ethical standards which God Almighty has commanded are vilified and their principles are ridiculed. So in such circumstances, there is a danger that the evils of society do not affect our people nor our future generations. Rather, sometimes situations arise that force us to confront embarrassment due to the involvement of Ahmadis. Therefore, we should reside in such an environment with, con with great concern and try our best to shape our children and our society according to Islamic teachings and principles. Coming here and merely raising slogans will not fulfill our purpose. Rather, we must strive to change our practical state. Furthermore, whilst expressing this point with great anguish that the people of his community by becoming his followers should not defame him, he states, an individual who exhibits change in their morals so that their neighbours may see how they were before and what they have become manifests a miracle, as it were. And silent preaching is also taking place in the same manner. If one pure transformation has occurred and others are witnessing it, it has a deep and lasting impression upon one's neighbour. People raise objections against our community. The opponents raise the objections and allege that they can see no improvement in those who have joined us and allege that our followers indulge in falsehood and do not restrain their temper and rage, like how we slander others, have a temper and feel anger, and we do not fulfill rights. Similarly, Emily's are doing the same. Has progress been made? He stated that, are such people not embarrassed that others flock to the community considering it to be exemplary? Just as a righteous son manifests his father's noble reputation, those Emily's who commit wrong actions he is advising them that just as a righteous son manifests his father's noble reputation, likewise, a person who swears an oath of allegiance is also like a son. And this is why the blessed wives of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, are known as the mothers of the believers. In other words, the Holy Prophet is the father to the Muslim community at large. A biological father brings a child into the world, becoming a cause for worldly life. But a spiritual father takes their child, as it were, into heaven and returns them to the original source from which they sprang, i.e. God. Would you view in a positive light the son who dishonors his father? What if a son were to visit prostitutes, indulge in gambling, consume alcohol and commit other immoral actions which disgrace his father? I know that there can be no one who would approve of such actions, but nonetheless, when the undutiful son acts in this manner, the voice of the people cannot be silenced. The people will speak with reference to the father and say that the son of so-and-so indulges in such and such wrongdoing. Hence, the undutiful son becomes a means of disgrace for his father. 
Similarly, when an individual joins a religious community and does not remain mindful of its dignity and honor and acts against its teachings, he is worthy of blame in the sight of God. For such a one does not only ruin themselves but deprives others from the oath of blessing and guidance due to their own immoral example. In other words, the actions of such individuals become an impediment in the path of preaching. How can anyone guide others if, if he himself is like this? And the people will say, he is like us, so what, what difference is there in our case and yours? Why should we be opposed by the world and achieve no progress or change? Such people become hurdles in the overall preaching efforts of the Jamaat. He further stated, Insofar as is within your power, seek the assistance of God and endeavor to eliminate your weaknesses with all your strength and resolve. Wherever you fall weak, raise your hands in prayer with sincerity and faith. For hands that are raised with a spirit of humility and meekness as a result of sincerity and faith are never returned empty. Allah the Almighty accepts supplications offered with sincerity. I can say from experience that thousands of my prayers have been accepted and continue to be accepted even now. So pray repeatedly for your own reform and for the reform of your children. We should offer many prayers for this and emphasize it greatly. He then stated, It is an invariable fact that if an individual does not possess within their hearts the fervor of sympathy for mankind, then they are miserly. If I see a path that leads to goodness and benefit, it is my responsibility to loudly pro proclaim it to the people, irrespective of whether anyone follows it or not. So calling people and preaching is beneficial only when a revolutionary transformation takes place within us. It is our responsibility to make sincere efforts through our actions and prayers to guide others onto the right path. Furthermore, for our betterment in this world and the next, expressing his deep concern, he stated, I openly proclaim that it does not behove me to give you this counsel out of a desire for spiritual reward, not at all. On the contrary, my soul is imbued with an extreme fervor and pain. Though I do not know why I possess this fervor, there cannot be be even an iota of doubt regarding the fact that I cannot stop myself from feeling this way. Therefore, all of you ought to consider my advice to be the words bequeathed by a man who you may not be fortunate enough to hear in the future, thus adhere so perfectly to my counsel that you become examples for others. You must teach those who are far from us through your own actions and words. If there is no need for action in the manner that I have explained, then tell me why anyone should come here. I do not want a hidden change in you. I require a noticeable transformation so that our opponents are overcome with shame and so that the hearts of the people are illuminated instantly. They lose hope in our opponents and realize that they are in a state of misguidance. Even the most wicked people repented at the hand of Allah's Messenger, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. How so? It was the magnificent transformation that took place in the companions of the Holy Prophet and their model, which was worthy of emulating and which moved the evil to feel contrition. 
The transformation that took place amongst the companions proved to be a means for people to repent and enter, in, enter into the fold of Islam. Thus, if we desire to establish a bond with Allah the Almighty ourselves and we desire to bring mankind towards the avenues of guidance, then for this, whilst inculcating inculcating pious changes within ourselves whilst rectifying our conduct and whilst seeking help through prayers we must pay attention towards this if our actions do not correspond to our words they do not bring about pious transformations as the companions did then we shall not be able to correctly conduct the task of reforming the world we shall not be able to perform the task of the bleak. What is the bond with Allah the Almighty that true enemies experience? And what is God Almighty's promise to them? Whilst mentioning this, the promised Messiah states, Allah the Exalted states in the Holy Quran, And I will place those who follow thee above those who disbelieve until the day of resurrection. This reassuring promise was given to the son of Mary, who was born in Nazareth. But I give you the good news that the son of Mary who has appeared in the name of Jesus the Messiah has been addressed by Allah the Almighty and given glad tidings in the very same words. Now reflect for yourself. Can those who desire to maintain a relationship with me and wish to be a part of this grand promise and glad tiding be such people who are steeped in the state that incites one to evil and who tread the path of sin and impiety? Nay, of course not. Those who truly value this promise of Allah and do not consider my words to be mere tales and fables ought to remember this and listen with their hearts. I address the people once again and proclaim that as for those who hold a relationship with me, a relationship that is firm and unwavering, a relationship whose effects are not limited only to my person, but rather which leads one to God, who guided even myself to the perfect divinely chosen man, a man who brought the spirit of truth and righteousness to this world. If the whole affair were limited to my person alone, I would have no fear, worry or concern. But, but this is not the case. This matter escalates to our noble prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and ultimately reaches the holy being of God Almighty. If you do not pay heed to my instructions and not create a revolutionary positive change within yourself, then not only are you defaming me, but you are also defaming the Holy Prophet and God Almighty. He further states, in such circumstances, bear well in mind and take heed that if you desire to partake of this glad tiding and hope to be a part of this prophecy's fulfillment, and if you possess a true thirst for this grand victory that is to prevail over the disbelievers until the day of resurrection, this is the actual meaning of the verse that Allah's true believers will have prevalence over his disbelievers till the day of judgment. And if you possess a true thirst for this grand victory, then my entire message for you shall not secure, shall not secure this success until you advance from the state where the soul reproaches one's inner self for having committed evil to the towering state where the soul is at rest and naturally inclines to goodness. Apart from this, I have nothing more to say. You are bound to a man who is commissioned by Allah. Therefore, listen to his word with the air of your heart and remain fully disposed to act accordingly, lest you become of those who fall into the filth of denial after having accepted the truth and thus become the recipients of divine wrath. Thus, these are matters that make us worthy of fulfilling the Pledge of Allegiance. If we do not strive to fully attain this state, then what is the point? 
We are forbearing the opposition of people whilst not even fulfilling the rights of God Almighty. May Allah the Almighty enable us to become a part of a group of those who do good whilst, whilst we excel in taqwa. May our every word and action be in accordance to the command of Allah the Almighty and be a means to attain His pleasure. May we be those who discharge the rights of our fellow beings and may we enter into the group of those who do good whilst benefiting others with great care. During these days of Jalsa, lay great emphasis on prayers. May Allah the Almighty bless this Jalsa in every respect and, we, and may we be those who attain the true objectives of Jalsa. During these days, invoke salutations upon the Holy Prophet wasallam. As I mentioned in the Friday sermon, there is a great need to recite a lot of durood. In these days, also recite istighfar, offer supplications with your prayers. May Allah the Almighty enable everyone to fulfill the objective for which they are attending Jalsa and may they derive its blessings and may everyone be enabled to spend these days in the remembrance of God. Now we shall offer silent prayer. May Allah the Almighty accept all of our prayers. Amin. Amen. I